May peace be with you. If you stick around at the end, there's more information about our community and how to find us. And now, here's this week's Centering Scripture, followed by the sermon. The first reading is Genesis 50, verses 15 through 21. Pondering their father's death, Joseph's brothers said, What if Joseph is angry with us and repays us for all the wrong we did him? So they approached Joseph, saying, Before Jacob died, he said to us, You must say to Joseph, I beg you, please, forgive your brothers their crime and sin and all they did, and all they did you. Now therefore, we ask you, forgive the crime of us who are faithful to the God of your parents. Joseph wept when he heard this. Then the brothers wept also and fell down before him, saying, We present ourselves before you as your attendants. Joseph replied, Don't be afraid. It is, is it for me to put myself in God's place? You planned evil for me, but God planned it for the good, as it has come to pass this day, to bring about the survival of many people. So you do not need to be afraid. I myself will provide for you and your little ones. In this manner, he assured them with words that touched their hearts. The second reading is Matthew 18, verses 21 through 22. Peter came up and asked Jesus, When a sister or brother wrongs me, how many times must I forgive? Seven times? No, Jesus replied, not seven times. I tell 70 times seven. I'm looking to make sure you can hear me. You hear Connie? Connie's Julia. All right. Will you pray with me? God, you give us a word, hope, light, and life. And so now may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth find a place of acceptance in your eyes. Amen. In this week's New Yorker magazine, there was a long interview with Kate DiCamillo. Ah, she's a Minneapolis author. She writes stories about animals and critters and children. And often the children and the animals do brave things. They do brave things. And they have experiences of sadness loneliness, and they make connections that help them get through life. Because of Winn-Dixie and the tale of Desperu might be books or movies of hers that you are familiar with. De Camillo's early childhood was notably marked by an abusive father when she grew up in Pennsylvania. And without going into details, her mother moved she and her brother to Florida to be safe and to have well-being. And even though she suffered at the hand of her father, Dee Camillo attributes her storytelling gift to her father. After years of psychotherapy and doing the hard work of healing, Dee Camillo chose to write her father. 
She wanted to make peace. And she wrote him a letter to thank him. And she said, I love you. I forgive you. And her father wrote back, Forgive me for what? And he asked, Who are we to speak of forgiveness? De Camillo never wrote him another letter. In 2019, when he was dying, his caregiver texted De Camillo with an update. Kate, at that point, age 55, was no longer angry, and she was more certain than ever that it is never foolish to hope and never impossible to change. And so she texted the caregiver and said, tell him I love him. Tell him I am grateful for him and that I forgive him. Peter asks Jesus in Matthew 18, if my brother or sister, a member, sins against me, how must I forgive? As many as seven times? And Jesus answered, no, not seven times, but 77 times. This point is additionally illustrated in the parable of the servant who owes money to the master, that whole section 21 to 35. Now, Pastor Nora and David have been teaching me how scriptures have been used in tragic ways to harm LBGTQA plus people. And this is unfortunately one of those sections. Now, most of us are aware how scripture has sometimes been used to marginalize women and people of color and other groups. And sacred texts have been twisted to form bad theology. But given that twist, let's look for the good news in this passage. Jesus practiced forgiveness that knew no bounds. Time and time again, Jesus forgave people who hurt him or his disciples. Forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Today's gospel challenges us to practice the same spirit of forgiveness, a spirit that is generous and ongoing. Forgiveness reminds us that we are all far from perfect. Pain is part of our reality, and rightly, there are appropriate sensitivities around forgiveness, and there are particularities that Jesus advocated. Jesus calls his disciples to forgive from the heart, and he invites a practice of transformation. Forgiveness is not about forgetting. When there has been real harm, Jesus would never want a person to go put themselves back in an abusive relationship or a dangerous situation. Rather, the act of forgiving frees the person to begin healing. Forgiveness usually does not happen overnight, and often forgiveness is a longer process of acknowledging the harm. To forgive fully means to restore justice and restore stability to our lives and the world. Restorative justice emphasizes repairing the harm of the unjust behavior. Restoration is rooted in human dignity, healing, 
and interconnectedness. Let me close with another biblical text that informs the Christian theology of restorative actions. Luke 19, 1-10, the story of Zacchaeus the tax collector. As part of his job with the Romans, Zacchaeus was allowed to take more than what was fair. When Zacchaeus encounters Jesus, he can see how his personal greed has hurt others. Zacchaeus wants to join the community of believers, and to do this, he volunteers to return what he extracted. Zacchaeus restores himself to the community by paying back more than what he owed as a sign of his gratitude to God. The choice gives Zacchaeus the possibility of participating in the covenant community. The individual or organization that wants to rejoin the community does so by returning what was taken or extracted and by moving towards restoration of the whole community. The Synods of Lakes and Prairies has a program of restorative actions between colonizing communities that were able to build generational wealth and with the communities of indigenous people and African-American communities from whom much was taken. There is a catechism of restorative actions, and in it it states that there can be a counterfeit faith, a counterfeit faith, if we expect forgiveness and jump straight to reconciliation without the necessary steps in between. And those steps are remembrance, remorse, repentance, and repair. I repeat them. Remembrance, remorse, repentance, and repair. Reconciliation and re resurrection can only happen when all six of these R's are engaged in, in a process of surrendering wealth for the mutual well-being. On the back counter under the All Things St. Luke, I've made copies of the Restorative Actions Catechism, so please help yourself, or you can read more about it online at restorativeactions, and that's plural, .com. Will you join with me in prayer? And then we will remain seated as we sing together our hymn of meditation. Holy God, your word is strong and leads our feet to your holy dwelling place. Strengthen and guide us with your word through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. As a church located on Lakota land in Minnetonka, Minnesota, St. Luke is a joyful, inclusive, intergenerational, and compassionate community on a spiritual journey seeking to do justice, make peace, and to walk humbly with God. We invite you to join us live for virtual worship each Sunday morning on Facebook or YouTube, or by following the worship links on our website, stluke.mn. Thanks for listening. May you go in peace.